The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber, freshly back from a pseudo-honeymoon. Not really a honeymoon, but sort of a honeymoon, right? Hi, friends. Yeah, it's not really... I, I, can I call it a honeymoon when my wife got every hotel room with two beds in it? I, I don't. I don't think that counts. <laughs> That's honestly incredible. I know that she said it was because it was like saving her money to do that. But I think, I mean, probably not a good sign, bud. God, I was just about to make a joke that is definitely not appropriate for this podcast. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, we we kind of did a tour of a few southern cities to try to figure out uh, we're, we're, we're going to move south probably. And we're kind of trying to figure out which city we want to live in. So we did like Atlanta, Charlotte, Raleigh. And while, while we were down in Atlanta, I got to uh, scope out Truist Park and see a Braves game. And hey. uh, I, I, I baked. I, I think I literally baked in the sun in uh, the left field bleachers because apparently I uh, that that is the sun side of the field. And I wasn't yeah. aware yeah unfortunately we were were in our seats for maybe a a grand total of like 20 minutes and the rest of the time we were wandering the stadium and it's uh you know it's one of those nice new modern stadiums where like there's good sight lines everywhere so that was still a good time Uh, i ate a hot dog the size of my forearm while i was there trevzy's a big guy too that's that's a sizable dog oh yeah yeah I, I, I apparently we're recording this too late because I, I um, we're at the point in the night where like uh, the, the things that are popping into my head are not pitcherless podcast friendly. I cannot. I, I, yeah. So we're going to we're going to skip over that joke again. Um, but yeah, no, uh, n- nice stadium. Good time. It's you know, it reminded me of like Fenway Park in that like they developed the whole area around the stadium for like a couple blocks on each side. So like there's like you know, a, a ton of restaurants, like everything is Braves themed and, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of blocks around the stadium. It's really nice park, nice ballpark. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, you had lots of very good food throughout your entire trip. Where do you think your favorite food was in all the places that you stopped? In uh, in downtown Georgia at the municipal market, I had the 
uh, downtown Atlanta, Georgia, specifically. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say something. <laughs> I just drove to the south of the state, the entire south of the, the whole state of Georgia. No, uh, downtown Atlanta, Georgia, at the municipal market, I had a chicken sandwich. That was the best chicken sandwich I've ever eaten in my life. Damn. That's saying a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm, I, I'm trying to remember the name of the uh, the the stand. It was it was like KFC. Yeah. Yeah. No, Chick-fil-A. No, it was like something chicken with like it was C H I C K apostrophe N. I can't. It was like hot chicken or something. But it, I don't know. I'll, I'll look it up. Got but you. it was absolutely fantastic. And I, I know and then, that, that I know that interests you as a you know frequent eater of chicken. Yes, I frequently consume both the ovum I, and meat of a chicken. I too consume the flesh. <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, in the deep four, we talk about consuming flesh. This is what we are now. <laughs> oh god! Uh, but no, I mean, I'm glad that you had a very nice time. It seems like you get you get to see uh, one of our very good friends that we met actually kind of through Pitcher List as well. While you were down in Atlanta, which was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I, got, I went out to dinner with one of our our, our listeners, our uh, uh, friend first, listener second. Although, although I was going to say you're calling him a listener first. He's going to he's going to maybe hear this and he's going to be maybe furious. All of my all of my listeners are my friends. So it's a listener takes priority. So I for my one own, don't partake in parasocial relationships. You you are my only friends, <laughs> listeners. That's not true. I mean, if that's the case, you have more friends than your wife does. Judging by that photo that you sent to uh, to our group chat. You know. I, how, when, whenever, whenever we talk about like the mailbag and I tell people to send me hate mail and no one ever does, like I, I post like purposely inflammatory tweets about Braves fans, like on my Twitter and people responded and they're perfectly civil and nice. And I'm like, come on. Like, I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to like go Dan Clark here and like get some haters and no one wants to take the bait. Everyone is just nice and friendly and jokes around with me. Where where are the haters at? It's because they know that you're just doing it as a front to try to get them to be mean to you. They're saving their their uh, vitriol for people who actually maybe somewhat may, oh, I shouldn't say maybe somewhat deserve it because that's usually not the case at all with the internet, as we all know. Um, but yeah, I think they know that you're just trying to bait them, and also everyone that we associate with, I feel like, is pretty even keeled overall. Because like you'll say something that's probably like intentionally inflammatory like that, and they'll just be like, "Oh yeah, that's kind of true." I really, I, I, I said both sides of it. I don't know. So I, I got to my seat, and there were literally zero other people in my row. And I yes. tweeted, I tweeted a picture of that and the joke that I bought the entire row so that I wouldn't have to sit next to a Braves fan. Yes, and like correct. the response, the responses I got, it was someone responded and they were like, well, if I was sitting next to you, I'd buy you a beer. You would like sitting next to me. And I'm like, that's not, no, be mean to me. Stop. stop. What is this? Don't hit me with Southern hospitality. I want to fight. Stop being so friendly. I'm not here to make friends. Uh, but yeah, you posted the photo of your wife sitting by herself. And my and that, obvious first response was, huh, Christine's sitting with all her friends. <laughs> just having a great time with all my friends just off screen. It turns out she farted and cleared out the entire section. Wow. I am 100% <laughs> going to play this for her in the morning. <laughs> oh, God, I hope so. I can't just you need to record her response to that. Good morning, wife. Would... We talked about your farts <laughs> last night. Uh, anyways, can, can you all tell that it's getting late in the season? Yeah, I was I was thinking that. Point. Yeah, yeah, we we are at the delirious point of the season. 
Yeah, everyone's kind of burnt out, obviously, from so much baseball. We love it, obviously, at the same time. But again, we're getting to a couple weeks left. There's a lot of people that probably have stopped paying attention to some leagues. And then, I mean, in the few leagues that you are paying attention in now, we're trying to help you out here in finding some folks that can can either like help in specific categories or folks we think that are just like good pickups. Um, or well, just once I was thinking, I, there's so many people here that we have pointed out previously that are still at just such low rostership numbers. I, I was thinking that we shouldn't even talk about baseball players this week and just, you know, just chat at each other for an hour just to fulfill our contractual obligation to to get all the pitcherless money that we're getting for the podcast. I was going to say we could just clown on your wife, but that feels rude. Yeah, I do that enough. Shoots. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess at this point we've stalled long enough. Let's talk about some actual baseball, huh? All right. All right. Nah, fine. Begrudgingly, whatever. Anyways. Okay. Let's start off with some hitters. Uh, first one here that is someone that you've talked about before. Schwabzi, uh, Lane Thomas. Oh, sorry. Actually, before we even kick this off, I have to specify this week because we are at the absolute tail end of the season. And if you're in like a head to head league, a lot of the people in your league aren't even going to be making moves anymore at this point. Anyways, um, we've, heighten the threshold of players that we will be looking at here to 30% instead of 20%, just to give us a little bit more wheel room and the people that we could talk about. Cause I mean, the bottom 20%, as we talked about previously is picked kind of clean. Um, so leading off we'll with that, still, someone who, yeah, we'll still have some deep cuts for you. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. There's still, pl- I mean, most of the people that we're going to be talking about are 20% or less, but just to give us a little bit more value, um, a little bit more bang for our buck. We did grab a couple people that were above that 20% threshold and just below 30%. So leading off, again, let's start with Lane Thomas, Schwebzy. Yeah, I, but before we do this, I need to extract myself from the little tykes pedal card that we used to do our victory laps because- I told you what, before you get in, you need to grease up with Crisco. We've talked about this. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, I am a large person, so it, it's, it's- I mean, we're both just adults trying to climb into a child's car, so- look, I, I, yeah, Reset. but look, I'm, I will cram myself in there every single time because I, I do love so a victory excited. lap. He doesn't even think about it. <laughs> so yeah, that, well, once I extract myself, uh, let's let's talk about Lane Thomas. Uh, <laughs> he just continues to produce absolutely ridiculous numbers since being traded to the Nationals from the Cardinals and taking over their leadoff spot. Over the last 15 days, 15 days, it's been a 307, 389, 581 slash line. 389 OBP out of your leadoff hitter, obviously. Real nice. Uh, in that 15-day time frame, it's also four home runs and a stolen base with 30 runs in RBIs, an even 15 of each. He's very literally been one of the best fantasy assets for the last month, like full stop. I can't explain it really. Like, I don't think this is a sustainable thing. I obviously he's not going to be like a top 10 outfielder next year, but I'm certainly going to keep riding this wave this year. The last time we talked about Thomas, it was mostly about his opportunity and his role Mm -hmm. two weeks ago, but wow, like he's, he has outperformed, you know, the, the, whatever I thought his 99th percentile outcome at that point, he's probably, he has outproduced that. It's been unreal. None of us were expecting this. Exactly. I mean, we, I, we, again, he has the great opportunity to be betting in that leadoff spot right in front of like Juan Soto. So you're going to have at least some benefit there. But at the same time, yeah, you don't expect a guy to just pop off like he has. Um, you know who was expecting this? Cardinals fans were expecting this. <laughs> they love trading away outfielders who immediately pop off. That is not an incorrect statement. I mean, we all know the 
telltale one is Randy Rosarena last year. Uh, kind of kind of crazy, honestly. Um, Adelise Garcia. It was Oscar, oh gosh, Mar- Oscar yeah. Mercado for a little bit. Yeah, the list does go on. Wow, I didn't even think about those. Mercado was a deeper cut, but like, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. But yeah, Lane Thomas has been great the past couple of weeks. Someone else that I actually wanted to talk about very, very quickly here, uh, the person that's hitting right behind him in that Nationals lineup, we're talking about someone who also, again, like when we started talking about Lane Thomas, it was mostly about opportunity, but this guy, 5% rostered, also has pretty good opportunity right now because he's playing every day at shortstop and getting every day at bats in that Nationals lineup is LCD's Escobar. Um, like I said, he's hitting second pretty much every single day and playing at shortstop. Uh, so that's a plus right there. Obviously, he has the opportunity when you look at that. And then as far as like the offense that he's a part of, not like the best in the league, but again, he's hitting right behind Lane Thomas, who has had a great couple of weeks. And then Juan Soto is right behind him. So he's surrounded by a couple of really, really good bats, which means that he should be set up for the opportunity to get some of those counting stats as the rest of the season uh, rolls to a finish. So in the past couple of weeks, he's got eight runs, five RBIs, and a stolen base with a 271 average to go with that. And he's producing well enough. Uh, So I think that he's at least worth entertaining picking up over the last two weeks because I don't expect him to lose his playing time at at shortstop, and he's going to be in that second spot for pretty much the rest of the season, barring an injury. Uh, I, I do think a check, uh, like a, a, a point against him, is that he doesn't get to face the Mets anymore this year. Well, I mean, you didn't bring that up when you were talking about Lane Thomas. They they did both absolutely decimate <laughs> the Mets, but Alcides Escobar only destroys the Mets, whereas Lane Thomas has been doing it against everyone so far. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. LCD Escobar, I think, is probably worth an ad if you have like a middle infield spot in a 15 team plus league. You can probably sneak him in there for your playoff run here. Obviously, if it's like a weekly lineups thing, it's maybe a little bit, it's a little bit too late at this point, naturally, because Fab usually runs on Sunday nights. But if you have daily lineups where you have waiver claims that pop off throughout the week, then I would definitely take a stab at getting LCD Escobar to fill in in your lineup. Yeah, I mean, we we do always preach opportunity here, and he has it. And you know, hitting in front of Juan Soto is like even if he's going to hit an empty three hundred, like that's still going to be plenty of opportunity to score some runs in front of Soto. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, with two weeks left, I mean, you can reasonably, I think, expect at least five runs in RBIs during that time. Is what I would say, as long as he can maintain this. I mean, he's been hitting for a higher average than he has just career-wise over these past few weeks. Which is uh, wild. Is it sustainable? Maybe, maybe not. But he's like walking almost 0% of the time, it feels like. So take take that as you will. But I think it is a fine option for these last couple of weeks. Um, okay, you, I'm going to talk about... You know, uh, you know who LCD's Escobar walks against? The Mets. Mets. <laughs> yes. You really are cursed, aren't you? It's Unbelievable. 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 Um, okay. I'm going to, so this might be the last time that I get to talk about this gentleman before the year's up. And I just like, feel like I'm just repeatedly like tapping the sign over and over again. (laughs) And I don't know what I have to do to get people to pick this person up. Lamont Way Jr. is still only rostered in 15% of leagues. A leadoff hitter for arguably the best team in baseball is still only 15% rostered. 
I, I, do, I don't know what I have to do anymore. Like the counting stats, okay, counting stats, don't get me wrong. They're not super, but in the month of September so far, he's throwing up a 326, 436, 543 slash line. Like he's helping you in both OBP and average leagues. He's hitting not a ton of home runs. He's only got one home run in September so far, but he's got like five or six doubles. So he's hitting gap to gap with like a decent amount of power. It just hasn't like paid off with homers. And to add to that, instead of leading off, guess what? He's been hitting in the four spot for the past month, basically now too. So he's going to be in line for more counting stats as the final two weeks of the season come to a close. So I, I just really don't know what else I have to say at this point to get people to pick up Lamont Wade Jr. Um, please. Maybe that's it. <laughs> I, really, I really don't know. I'm just picturing our listeners there with their, their arms crossed going, no, I don't want to. <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you the every, uh, last, the, every last one of you? No, I'm just aren't, kidding. Aren't you the, uh, the, the, the recent uh, new owner of a brand spanking new Lamont Wade Jr. Uh, first Bowman autograph? That is true. I am. Thanks to our wonderful listener, Jay Hook, uh, who's the best i would say he's yeah, my favorite yeah. so yeah so jayhook is my favorite listener to the rest of you listeners step your game up that's all i have to say send me presents like jayhook does <laughs> send me free baseball cards no please don't actually do that no uh jayhook we were actually part of a, a larger endeavor by jayhook where he sent uh you know team specific care packages out to uh m- many a uh, baseball community member and uh just so such good stuff. Yeah, I, I will very, cherish, very, cherish my Chris Flex and autograph forever. A very nice thing to do. And uh, Jay Hook is one of the cooler people that we have had the privilege of interacting with in this community. Because, like, I mean, it's Joe Joe Lowry for those of you on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. Oh shoot! Part of uh, Prospects Live for those that so, are unaware and uninitiated. So why don't we uh why don't we hop around a little bit because uh, our notes are not organized well this week. Oh, that is so fine. so uh, that you are not talking for twenty minutes straight. Uh, we got a couple of quick hits here. We've got a recent, uh, well, somewhat recent acquisition of the Phillies, Freddie Galvis, who is at six percent rostered, and. I kind of feel like a broken record at this point. Freddie Galvis, the, the the situation with him is the same as it always is. He is a perfectly fine player who in deep leagues should be rostered uh, when he has full-time playing time. And with the Phillies, he should have full-time playing time because uh, between Alec Bohm being pretty miserable this year, D.D. Gregorius being pretty miserable this year, and... Uh, I mean, now Segura has been good, but between those, the, the left side of that infield being really underwhelming this year, uh, Galvi should be playing most days. So, uh, and if you can do it daily moves even better because, uh, you know, you get to react to his occasional being sat, but yeah, he's going to put up decent numbers. He played, it's a good ballpark and yeah, we've seen what he can do in a good ballpark year after year as he was pretty good in Baltimore. And pretty good before that in Cincinnati. Now he gets to the, uh, uh, apparently, teams with really good ballparks really like Freddie Galvis because he keeps on winding up in these little band boxes. Yeah, true. Um, definitely for his roster ship, uh, worth picking up, I would say, over these last two weeks. And 
I gotta actually, I really want to look at where he's been hitting the lineup when he has been playing. I think it's been like sixth or something like that. Um, let me take a peek real quick. Lineup tracker over at Fangraphs, a great resource for folks. Uh, just so you know, like a little insider baseball, insider fantasy baseball podcast. Um, so it, it's been a little bit all over the place. Like today or, or yesterday, rather Sunday, he batted leadoff, but he's he's gone anywhere. Leadoff eighth, sixth, seventh, kind of all over the place. I, it's either leadoff or at the bottom, which is strange. Like, yeah, interesting. I'd be interested. Well, no, because he was doing that. So he's hitting at the top of the order. It looks like. Oh no, it's not. There, there really is no rhyme or reason to it. It's mostly against lefties that he's hitting at the top. Yes. So there is that to note. So if it's against a left-handed pitcher, then he's got a chance of hitting leadoff in that game. Um, also, according to this, he's the 29th most valuable player of the last week. He's he has been good. Yes, he has been very good. So, yeah, definitely worth uh, taking a peek at Freddie Galvis over the next couple of weeks. Uh, was there any other quick hits that you wanted to hit on here, Schwebzy? Uh, we well, we have a lot of these. Let me get one more because uh, you you did way more research on hitters than I did this week. So let me get to one more before you dig into someone else. Is uh, okay? Yoshi Satsugo. Hey. Uh, well, while you were talking about Freddie Galvis, I I wedged myself back into my little Tykes pedal car for a, a another victory lap. I'm just gonna break my arm off patting myself on the back this week. <laughs> uh, Yoshi Satsugo over the last thirty days is hitting 306 with a 407 OVP and a 681 slug good for a 1088 OPS. Man. That is good. That that that's good. That'll do. Uh, when your OPS it, starts with a 1 and it's before yeah. the decimal, usually a good sign. Unlike Cody Bellinger who starts with a 1 on the wrong side of the decimal probably. Oh god. Sorry, I probably just emotionally assaulted a good chunk of our listeners with that one. Um but uh, Yoshi Satsugo in, in the past uh, 30 days, we're looking at 14 runs, seven home runs, 19 RBIs to go with that 306 batting average. Mm. So he is helping you in four categories. I know uh, for one, our frequent listener and stream participant, Yancey Eaton, is riding the Yoshi Satsugo wave to great success. Uh, I know he's a, a Yoshi Satsugo fan because, uh, you know, he's a, he is a Rofa, a Ray's old friend alert. Ah, yes. Oh, I forgot to say before that Elcides Escobar is a Bofa. Yes. Dang. Mm. <laughs> Missed opportunity. Unbelievable. Yeah. But, I yeah, had it uh, in the notes, too. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Satsugo is displaying his usual fantastic eye. He's being more aggressive. He's hitting some dingers, which is really all we want from him is to draw some walks, hit some dingers. And he is doing all that and then some, along with the added bonus of some positional flexibility as uh, depending on your league, he could be eligible in as many as three spots between first, third and outfield. Mm -hmm. So yeah, big, big fan of Yoshi. Uh, He's going to keep getting playing time because uh, you know, it's, it's Pittsburgh. So yeah, I, I I'm running him out there at guys like Lane Thomas and Yoshi Satsugo are players that I'm not necessarily going to be targeting in you know, anything shallow next year, but this year for the next two weeks, I'm going to ride this production as far as I can. Love it. Yeah. I mean, and they're only 7% rostered. That's a really, really good value considering the production. It's just been absurd over the past couple of weeks. I mean, both him and Lane Thomas have been above and beyond what anyone would have, like you said, like that 99th percentile uh, outcome has been met and exceeded in a lot of these cases. So 
And obviously some nice vindication for you after talking about him for so or so adamantly uh, earlier in the season. Yeah, no, it's nice. It, it only took him like four months to to make me feel better about that. <laughs> only four months too late, but I mean, we'll take it. But better late than never. And it's better four, to uh, four months, four teams, whatever. Oh gosh, I forgot he was on like four different. He was wait, was this three, his third team teams. this year? Yeah, it was yeah. the rate. And imagine like Dodgers. It, it's not often that you see someone succeed after the Rays and Dodgers have both given up on them. Yeah. The Pirates aren't necessarily known for turning uh, positional players uh, into producers at any point. But I guess, again, opportunity. Yeah, that's true. Um, but the opportunity is there. So, And he's been taking advantage over the past couple of weeks. So, yes, definitely a good call out. 7% rostered. Get him. Um, let me pop over to... Let me talk about some catchers, actually. And I'm talking about... Uh, this is a big example of the offense that's surrounding you. I'm going to talk about both Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen here. So Kirk is 17% rostered universally, and then Danny Jansen is 3% rostered universally between between ESPN and Yahoo. Um, whether you roster one or both of them, and that's if you're in a two-catcher league, they've both actually been producing pretty well over the past two weeks. I mean, that Blue Jays offense has just been absurd over the past two weeks. And I think that either or both of them could occupy a second catcher spot in your two catcher leagues. And I think they should be to finish out the season. Uh, Again, that offense is just so, so good. The last 15 days, if you look at it, Kirk and Jansen have similar plate appearances, 38 and 35, respectively. Kirk's had four home runs, seven runs, seven RBIs, and then put up a 281, 378, 688 slash line. And then Danny Jansen... Two home runs, eight runs, eight RBIs, and a 357, 419, 786 triple slash. That is really, really good for both of them. Um, I think Reese McGuire is occasionally getting a few starts here and there. I think it's only been like four since September rolled around, and he's only recorded like one hit in that span. So obviously Kirk and Jansen are the two main draws here. I think that Kirk is still, even though the triple slash from Jansen is slightly better and the counting stats are slightly better, um, I think Kirk is the better option of the two because he usually hits higher in the lineup, like around like sixth or seventh, while Jansen is either like seven, eight, or nine in the lineup. Uh, so I would lean towards Kirk if he's available in your league. But I th- still think, regardless, they're both pretty under-rostered in my opinion here, and I think that they'd be, they'd be worth adding to your rosters to finish out the season. On the uh, on the one hand, I'm so hyped about Alejandro Kirk next year, but on yeah. the other hand, I know that I'm not going to wind up with him on any of my teams because he's going to get overdrafted. As much as I love him, yeah, that's probably true. I would probably agree with that. I mean, I would like to see him stick around long enough for any of us to grab him, but I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be willing to pay the price. But again, I mean, we don't know what the split's going to be like because currently you have Simeon and. Um, Springer and stuff like that that are often filling the DH spot. Yeah. And that doesn't really leave Kirk with a lot of opportunity because I, I think there was maybe some thought that Kirk would be able to fill that DH spot more often. And that's probably why he was so highly touted and like projected to do better coming into this year because obviously he can't catch every day. That's just not going to be a thing. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking that it's going to be more of an even split than people suspect it to be between Kirk and Jansen next year. But I mean, yeah, hard to say how things will shake out by the time draft season rolls around next year. But yeah, if you are somebody who, for example, rosters like, I don't know, James McCann. 
Easy. Uh, you should probably pick one of these guys up for the stretch run. Not that, not that any any reputable fantasy manager would be rostering James McCann at this point. <clears throat> what? I'm sorry. No, no, I'm just, I just, I'm just, I'm just questioning the fantasy okay, credentials okay, of someone okay, who would roster okay, James okay. McCann. Hey, guess who picked up Danny Jansen to finish out their TGFBI team Perfect. for this year as their second catcher? Me. I follow my own advice. That's the thing. Okay, I will say uh, I did not get Alcides Escobar because unfortunately he was not available in my in my league. I have Lamont Wade Jr. I have Danny Jansen. So I have fo- so far not too bad following my own advice. This pod, I will say, that's a good. That's a good. Uh, like kind of putting my money where my mouth is conversion rate. Oh, I I am riding Lane Thomas to hopefully an NL only Phrasing. victory. <laughs> I am riding Lane Thomas to glory and money, hopefully in my NL only league. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I, we like to practice what we preach here. Perfect. All right. Uh, and oh. then let's, Oh wait, go ahead. No, no, uh, I, I'm, I was about to spoil some of the later players we're going to talk about, but we'll get to them later. So okay. uh, a, a couple other quick hits before we get to the pitchers today. Um, a couple of players that we mentioned today are going to be uh, in the, a, a slightly negative sense in that they are very popular pickups right now, but I don't really see, I, I don't think they should be. I think these are these are fades, these are avoids. Uh, might be too late for those of you in weekly leagues, and uh, if so, I'm sorry. But uh, one of those is Jose Siri, a very popular name lately because yes, he, yes, he's he's in the very strong Houston Astros lineup. Uh, he is, you know, he's he's only got 20 appearances, uh, 20 plate appearances in the majors so far, and he has started off with a bang, hitting two home runs, three stolen bases, and uh, generally looking really, really good. Um. Not a fan because that like his really strong batting line so far is accompanied by a 667 BABIP, a 35 strikeout percentage mm-hmm. and a 30, and a 5% walk percentage. And you might be saying, Schwebzy, it's only 20 plate appearances. What is, what does the, uh, what do those percentages matter at this point? That's only like, well, it's like seven strikeouts at this point, whatever. The minor league numbers tell a story that this is probably what we can expect going forward. He's always struck out a lot. His hit tool, even, uh, you know, in his prospect reports, his hit tool is his weakest tool. So, you know, we, we might be looking at like, uh, we, we talked about Anthony Alford last week. It might be another player like him where he might be able to pick up a few steals, a few home runs, but the, the batting average is going to uh, lag behind and kind of make the rest of the package, uh, you know, drop down a couple tiers uh, from, you know, players with better hit tools. He's got opportunity, kind of. He's the fourth outfielder in uh, in Houston, and that's while Michael Brantley is hurt. So he's mm-hmm. only going to get part-time plate appearances, and he's only going to get those part-time plate appearances until Brantley is back. So I know the CEO, you know our 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 outlook is only going out two weeks at this point. So I guess the the long-term outlook doesn't really matter. But he's he's a limited player with a limited shelf life and i'm just very very out on that totally understand that too i mean i guess it's worth maybe mentioning that currently if i remember correctly kyle tucker is day-to-day with a shoulder issue 
So maybe that opens up a little bit more playing time for him. But I mean, again, I don't think it's going to be a long term uh, thing for Tucker. He could be back like Tuesday or Wednesday this week for all we know. So, right. Like, yeah, we the opportunity is not really going to be there. Yeah, we can only advise you guys on what we know so far. And to my knowledge, that shoulder thing is not super serious. Like, uh, yeah, it's like CBS reports it reports it as unclear should be considered day to day until the team updates. So we just don't know right now. And so, you know, if Brantley and Tucker are both out and you're feeling lucky, go for it. He could continue his hot streak. You know, he's got power. He's got speed, but uh, it will will not be me unless Tucker hits the IL, in which case I'll immediately go out and pick up Jose Siri. Perfect. Yeah. Um, Let's stick in Texas, actually, because there's I mean, Siri has speed. We're going to go to the Rangers. And actually, I'm just going to really quickly hit on Yanni Hernandez uh, for the Rangers. Uh, This is purely a stolen base thing. Um, I think that he is probably your best option out there right now. He's only got 108 at-bats total this year. And in that time, he's gotten nine stolen bases. His OBP is 354 compared to his 250 average. So like he's walking a decent amount and getting to first base enough that he's getting those opportunities so if you really need to try to tack on a couple more seals here at the end of the year i think that hernandez might be one of the best options out there uh but other than that he's not going to set the world on fire he's not hitting for power almost ever um and the average is middling at best so if you need those stolen bases he's your guy i dig it i it's it's important to attack categories at this point right because Mm -hmm. we've all been in that head-to-head matchup in the playoffs where one steal matters where one home run matters and in a similar vein we are going to uh we're going to stick in the same clubhouse and uh talk about dj peters Mm. uh Mm -hmm. and if if DJ, this is the complete opposite of Yanni Hernandez, where Yanni Hernandez does nothing but occasionally get on base and and uh, steal a bag. Uh, DJ Peters doesn't really do anything except occasionally hit a home run, but he's doing that often enough that he's actually like showing up like near the top of player raiders for the last you know fifteen days last month. He's he's definitely hitting dingers to the point where like if he keeps doing this for another couple of weeks and like has a strong head-to-head playoff period we're gonna start we might have to christen him dj dingers oh boy we're gonna make him bobby's brother i actually got called out in the pitcher list discord because uh nicky lopez hit his i think second home run of the year okay and i ironically called him nicky dingers oh gosh <laughs> one of uh one of the pitcher list discord members king hippo uh <laughs> called me out for having like the, the Schwebzy nickname generator where it's just like first, you know, first name goes here and then dingers. And that's just every player's nickname. So yeah, uh, DJ dingers uh, might, might make an appearance if he keeps hitting some big dongs. Can I say King hippo is not totally incorrect. He is absolutely correct. He is 100% <laughs> right. That is all I've I got. also share some of the blame for that, but that's absolutely not incorrect. Uh, Eh, fine it's it's funny it's like so you've got you've got dj peters who is dj dingers and then you've got bobby k dingers obviously bobby dalbeck who's having a great few weeks as well uh someone that we weren't planning on talking about but obviously he comes up pretty organically from time to time those two very aptly named with the last name dingers it feels like 
uh, the second Mighty Ducks movie where you have like the two Bash brothers and they get the third one, quote unquote, who's Kenny Wu, the former figure skater. That's that's what Nikki Lopez feels like in this equation. <laughs> that's a very specific reference that I hope people will understand. We'll find out. You, you know that meme where it's like three dragon heads and then like the derp one. Two, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's two very the serious ones. Is very goofy one. looking. Yeah, Nikki Lopez is the very goofy looking dragon yeah. in that in that meme. Nikki Dingers. <laughs> God. But uh, uh, another player that we talked about last week who keeps on just doing what he's been doing, like he's he's actually been a steady, just a steady bat, uh, Brian De La Cruz in Miami. Yes. I, 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 I'm not going to go too deep here because uh, it's really just more of the same. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a competent bat who is hitting in a prime lineup spot, playing every day, and... He just he just keeps on putting up like an eight fifty plus OPS for the season. I don't understand it, but I am going to ride it until the end of the year. Love it. Yeah. I mean, not worth deep diving on because we've covered him I think twice now. Right? Still only seven percent rostered. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this this shows how little influence we actually have on the fantasy landscape. <laughs> Cause you know what? If if we did have some actual sway. That would be at least 10% by now. Yeah. Lamont Wade Jr. wouldn't be at 15% if we had any sway. That's true. He'd be at like 30 or 40. But but we Lane digress. Thomas, we talked about Lane Thomas two weeks ago, and he was at 1%. He is yeah, now I, I will say that I think his I will say that I think his performance spoke for itself. <laughs> I think that was us. I think it was us. All right, we'll take the credit for it. We will reluctantly take the credit for this but I don't oh wait you also said that you also said that it was on last week's episode we didn't have an episode last Two. week can i can i tell our listeners why we didn't have an episode last week well i i was in, i was in the south you, you were I'm in not, the south i'm not sure they have internet there yeah oh my gosh don't say that that's that's very east coast elitist of you I'm such a new york elitist Dude, I, every city that i Ugh. go to in the south Ugh. i'm like this is nice it's not New York. Oh, this is but cute. It's nice. This is cute, dude. Charlotte, Charlotte, the city of Charlotte is like ten square blocks. It's like yeah, ten by basically. ten, basically. And it's the, like oh, the this main is, part of it. Yes, this is adorable. This is cute. I'm looking around. I'm like such Ugh. a such an elitist. Like, yeah, God, it's not, I'm it's so not glad me. that I didn't have to. I'm, I'm so glad that I lived in Milwaukee. Like, obviously, still a smaller place than New York, naturally. But at the same time, I'm so glad that I wasn't like living in rural Wisconsin, where I'm from. And having to like show you around there and show you what things no, there were like, to do. Cause that would have been like you just constantly going like, oh wow, it's so cute. It's so quaint. It's like, oh my God, shut up. <laughs> I'm sure for, to an outsider you that tourist. I'm, I'm sure that I'm completely insufferable. But like well, just, just just like I mean, just like genuinely people from the Midwest who are tourists are probably insufferable to like New Yorkers, I can imagine. Like just if either like, goes to see, the other place, they're just like, Oh my god, this just this ugh. Just the first fifty-story building you guys see, just staring up at it, mouth agape. Whoa. Yeah, you just walk into things because you're looking straight <laughs> up. Yeah, no, I at least I'm self-aware because Christy, like the wife and I, were having the conversations, and it's like we're spoiled, we're jaded from being New Yorkers. Yeah, that is true. That is not incorrect. <laughs> but oh god, where was I going? Oh yeah, so the reason that we didn't have an episode last week, I was going to have a guest on, had it all planned out, and I. I was sitting here working on notes for last week's episode and 
my internet apparently went out uh apparently. like yeah so well no i wasn't home when it uh when it initially went out right so my landlord shoots me a message saying hey is the internet out for you and either myself or my roommate were home so we said we don't know we're not home right now we'll check when we get home so I get home at like, I don't know, like three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon and it's out. So I'm thinking, okay, whatever. This has happened before. Um, probably won't be a big deal. It'll probably be back on in like an hour. So I started doing notes in a notebook and using my phone, which is much harder than using a desktop computer. So after about two hours of having no internet, my landlord is like, okay, well, I'm going to go look around. So he gets up on a ladder in our backyard and starts looking at the wires that are running from the power pole in the backyard into our house. And I'm like, that's probably not safe. I'm going to go out there and watch so this dude doesn't just die, uh, either falling off the ladder or touching a live wire. Uh, after a bit, he realizes that something has chewed through the auxiliary cable that runs into the house that carries the internet to us which is probably all the squirrels that live around here. So basically squirrels ruined last week's episode of in the deep is what happened. Um, uh, well, so to celebrate this, I actually looked at and okay. But the thing is you can't blame squirrels. Cause I found out I did some research on this. Cause you know, I had time on my hands cause I wasn't doing a podcast that night. <laughs> I found out that the reason that squirrels chew on things, it's not cause they're hungry. Cause that would be stupid. Like they're not eating the wire cause they're hungry. They're chewing on the wire because their teeth grow constantly their teeth never stop growing schwebsy did you know this did you know that squirrel's teeth never stop growing and that's why they have to chew on things if you just like let a squirrel's teeth grow uninhibited for a full year do you know how long a squirrel's teeth would be oh i'm I'm trying i was trying to come up with a pun real quick and i got nothing eight inches schwebsy imagine eight inch teeth coming out of a squirrel's face that's horrifying. It's it's terrifying. So you know what? I can't even be mad at this squir- at these squirrels, honestly. Like I was a little bit upset. It's like, damn, nature, that's that's really messed up that you messed up the pod. And then I realized, you know what? That's way more important than the podcast. Oh. Make yeah, sure that they yeah. have a good quality of life. Also, did you know that squirrels can find so I looked up more squirrel facts. Did you know that squirrels can uh detect a nut a foot underneath the snow? I feel Squirrel like facts. I feel like you're trying me. Trying you? What do you mean trying you? I, I feel I feel like you're you're just you're baiting me. How, how so? Oh, nothing. Oh, I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, not, not, nothing. Because I'm pure of heart and pure of mind. You, you you know those like office episodes where like Michael Scott is just holding. That's what she said. Like that's. <laughs> I'm I'm just holding it in, holding it in. Love inside jokes. Love to be a part of one someday. <laughs> but yeah, you like you should have. Did you known. know? Did you know that like twenty five percent of what squirrels, <laughs> of what squirrels hide in like nuts and berries and things like that, twenty five percent of it gets stolen by other squirrels, by just other creatures in general. Huh. Squirrels, squirrels, and birds. So kind of in a way, squirrels also pay taxes like us. Yeah, no, that that's like the the tax of the wild. Did you also, know that squirrels? Uh, did you know that squirrels <laughs> run in zigzags to avoid prey, which is really, really good? But it's not good for cars, as no, it turns out. No, 
It doesn't help what? them avoid cars at all. Actually, it makes it more likely that they get hit by a car. So for, for those of you at home, uh, like uh, looking at our notes, it's, the, the squirrel facts just go on for a really long time. Like we're not even close to done with squirrel facts. Shrebsy, I spent so much time researching squirrels <laughs> when I was supposed to be doing when I when I intent when I was intending to do podcast notes last week because I was so just like fixated on the fact that a squirrel or squirrels plural <laughs> basically canceled our episode. <laughs> Anyways, that was my, that was uh, that's been squirrel facts with Jordan. Tune in next week for more squirrel facts. Anyways, let's go start talking about pictures now. <laughs> I'm about to go through our archives and see if we ever <laughs> said mean things about squirrels to see if squirrels are actively trying to cancel us. No. But no, you, you should have known that something bad would happen as soon as I was like unavailable because yeah. it's never yeah. just one of us. Things happen nope. like because of our link, because of our bond, like bad things happen to both of us at the same time. We're never, we're never, it's never just one of us is unavailable. It's always That's both. what I get from defender, befriending a Mets fan. Yep. <laughs> That, no, that that is it. No, that is not true. That is not true. I don't welcome actually to, believe that. Listener, I don't Mets actually believe karma. that. Oh God. Anyways, okay, let's actually can't talk about to, pitchers now. Can't wait to bring that to your team. Oh, buddy, please don't. Very Brewers close need to, help. The Mets are very close to mathematically eliminated, so I'm very close to being a Brewers fan for a couple oh. weeks or a couple days with my luck. Um, please don't harm us. Please don't harm us. <laughs> All right, let's talk about uh, pitchers. Let's talk about, ooh, okay, so we were talking about uh, cautionary tales. You kind of teased this earlier. Let's talk about Jose Suarez a bit. You want to talk about this one? Yeah, no, apparently my theme this week is uh, fade uh, players named Jose because uh, like Jose Siri, I am very not, or, or maybe it's the initials JS. Uh, mm. Also not a fan of of Bach. Uh, so sorry that's a that was a, that was an incredibly definite, good music that was a really good music punch Webzy. yeah yeah music nerds everywhere are cackling oh, right man. now um the that that big uh classical music slash baseball fandom crossover but uh so jose suarez is the point of of this uh i'm not a fan of jose suarez because we're definite toby vibes here like he's fine like for some reason he's one of the most added players in in baseball right now and i feel like that's because people aren't looking into things too deeply like i i guess they're seeing like a, a you know a low four zra and they're like this guy's fine i think that's your peak like that yeah. low that low four zra is propped up by a really like like an aberration start uh against texas like it's he he threw like he's never gone into the seventh inning once this year except for one complete game decimation of the Rangers who are not good. Mm-hmm. So he's got a four point two four FIP since joining the rotation, and like he's only got one matchup this week, and it's the playoffs and it's against Houston. I'm not doing that. I don't care like what the state of my pitching staff is. I'm not actively adding a start that I think. I don't know, f- at least 50% chance of a blow up there. Like he pitched against Houston earlier this year and was fine. I do not think that Jose Suarez is going to successfully, you know, have a good fantasy start against Houston twice in a month. I just don't believe that even if Houston's yeah. lineup isn't really like what it was given, you know, Brantley's absence and poss- Tucker's possible act absence. I- I'm not. You still have Suarez. Correa. You still have. Altuve, you still have you have Bregman back. You still have Jordan Alvarez. Yep. Like, it's not going to be easy sailing by any means. 
Yeah, and like the backups are still producing. Myers, yep. McCormick, Siri, apparently. Yeah, I, I ugh. Siri, yeah, I look up, flash in the pan. Oh, ugh. He he goes and looks in a mirror. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's rude. That's really mean. Ouch. Actually, I didn't mean that. Ow. I didn't mean that. I'm I wounded. Just, I man, just, man down. Ugh, I'm sorry. Anyways, no, I agree with you on Jose Suarez, though. Um, I really don't think that there is a good reason for you to want to stream him here. Like, and, against Houston, that seems like such a foolish thing to do. Probably top three offense in the league. By run score per game, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely not worth it. Um, good call on avoiding him here. I, yeah, I don't think anyone in their right mind would want to do this, even with his previous success. All right, we, so. we, did, we did the same thing as the hitters, where we organized our notes really poorly. So uh, before we hop down to one of your guys, I'm going to talk about one more player. That's good, um, yeah. Shane Boz. So uh, this one is not for everyone. Um. He, this is for those of you in keeper leagues and also for those of you who suffer from the same ailment as Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend. Um, not going into it any more than that. Uh, Shane Vaz is probably the best starting pitching prospect left in the minors since uh, Mackenzie Gore's fall from grace uh, is more of a plummet. And uh, I Grayson Rodriguez is still kind of far away. So uh, I yeah. think it's I think it's Boz. And he apparently is starting today. So since this is posting uh, at 6 a.m., today being Monday. So, uh, you know, if your league uses waivers, unfortunately, this is going to be useless information for you. But if you're in a league that does, you know, perpetual ad drops, then and you're comfortable starting buzz against Toronto. I mean, I'm not going to do it. But, you know, if, if you need a high upside stream, this is basically the highest upside you're going to find in a barely rostered player. And what is the upside here? The upside in double A this year, Shane Boz struck out 41% of the batters he faced. He walked 1.7%. That's ridiculous. Goofy. I, like, so I'm good, at, I'm good at MLB The Show. I can't do that in MLB The Show. That's absurd. I thought you were about to confidently state, I'm good at math. Those are, <laughs> that's good math. I'm good at math, and those are good maths. Those are good numbers. Uh, now, so even when jumping up from AA to AAA, you know, obviously I'm cherry picking his 40 innings at AA because those numbers are outlandish. Yes. But his numbers were like still really, really good in AAA. He still struck out like 36% of batters. There's something like that. I don't have it that's in front still, of me. That's still a lot. Yeah, he was like slightly less superhuman, but still pretty grit. Uh, grid, still pretty grit. <laughs> still pretty superhuman. Not editing that out. Please do not edit any mistakes I ever make. I need something to keep me humble because oh, nothing... I'm leaving all mine in too. I know that I've just tripped over words this entire podcast. If it's you fine. don't, my, my ego will just go out of control unchecked. No, uh, but yeah, so he's facing the Jays today, Monday. It's again, not for the faint of heart, but if you're in your playoffs and you're gunning for an upside stream, I mean, take the chance. It's, uh, it, there, I, I, 
kind of, especially this year, we have noticed the uh, the whole tin snap thing. There's no such thing as a pitching prospect. How many, you know, you know, uh, very pristine pedigreed pitching prospects. Nice, nice alliteration there. Uh, have come up and just floundered right away. Like your 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 Coars, your Pearsons. Um, I know there's other guys. Logan that Gilbert. Been, yeah, Logan Gilbert wasn't great uh, right away. Yeah, like a lot of these top pitching prospects have floundered. So Shane Boz might be another one of those guys, or yeah. he he might be a McClanahan. You know, it's it's always tough to tell with pitchers. Yeah, they're always the hardest to predict. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's, yeah, it's, it's a huge shot in the dark in any case, but I feel like Boz has been so consistently good in his minor league appearances so far this year that I'd feel fine. If you have him as like a, someone that you've already had stashed, congratulations. Like you're probably going to enjoy at least running him out there for fun tomorrow. It's against the Blue Jays. Uh, so less fun, but I think that at this point in the season, I'm going for the fun factor and I would absolutely run him out there for his debut. Cause you know, for all we know, he could just like continue to mow people down out there. I, yeah. I mean, he, his stuff is so overpowering that yeah, you know, it, it might carry him through his first start. It might carry him through this first couple of weeks. Honestly, we don't even know what the raise plans are for him beyond this. So if you can't, it, like if you do have waivers and you pick him up like tomorrow or whatever, it, it might be a dead roster spot for you. So yeah, keep it if you know if you can't just pick him up immediately in your league then just keep an eye on this start you know just be aware that he is starting some day to tomorrow today uh recording yes. at 1 30 a.m fries my brain uh yeah keep an eye on the start see if he's worth a pickup keep an eye on the news make sure you know whether or not he's going to make another start but uh yeah just just be aware that this phenom pitching prospect is pitching today yeah, if I had to guess that, I would say that he's probably going to get used in a similar capacity as Aaron Ashby has been used so far. That's what I'm thinking. I'm he's thinking like this a multi-inning like, relief guy. Like he'll get a start right. or two here at the end of the year, and then for the playoffs, they'll probably just almost exclusively use him as a multi-inning relief guy. Yeah, I'm thinking um, this is the precursor to you know a, a playoff run where he pitches out of the pen. Like he could be like the one that fo- he could be a follower, similar yeah. to like I mean someone else that I'm going to talk about later, Dietrich Ends, and then also like. Um, Freddy Pirate, Ryan Yarbrough, um, all in that same kind of capacity are going to be like followers. I could, yeah, I could see Shane Baz just being like a multi-inning reliever for the Rays during the playoffs this year. Um, that'd be my best guess, but who knows? Hard to say. Um, oh man, I kind of just teased two of the other guys that I'm going to talk about, which I mean, one very not surprising, the other one much more surprising. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to start by talking about Ashby. That seems fine. Or should I talk about Chris Bubich? Well, do you like a do you like Aaron Ashby? I'm on the fence. Yeah, no, I, I we've never really talked about. I'm not here. sure. Um, barely know the guy, honestly. Uh, no, I'm I'm going to keep beating this drum. Yeah, I'll just talk about Ashby. I'm going to keep beating this drum over and over again because the brand has to remain strong. Uh, they've let Ashby take anywhere from two to four innings each time. He gets the ball out of the bullpen. Uh, in his last three outings, he's collected two wins and a save, which is, I'd say, pretty good. Yeah, that save was a three-inning uh, outing where he pitched the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Got that yes. save, and then the other two times where like he was just pitching and happened, they happened to get the lead either re- right before he was pulled or while he was in the middle of his outing. Uh, so some 
kind of luck involved there with the outcomes, but good nonetheless. And I actually kind of came up with a like an interesting comp that I have for him, which is it's not like necessarily in terms of like repertoire or anything like that, but just like their how they work on the mound. And that's Brent Suter. Because he's like a multi-inning relief guy who works like incredibly quickly on the mound. He's a guy who does not waste any time out there. He just has like way better stuff than Suter has or will ever have. Um, his last outing was against uh, the Cubs. That was on the 17th. So that's two days ago as of this recording. Uh, and both of his secondaries were absolutely nuts uh, and just befuddling all of the Cubs hitters. His slider had a 59% CSW. And his changeup had a 56% CSW. Two pitches with a CSW over, like, he, it wasn't like he just threw, like, two or three of them either. He was he was throwing, like, almost 10 of each of those. Like, the slider is his main offering. He threw, like, 17 of those in that outing. But, uh, yeah, 59 and 56% CSW on those pitches is just absurdly good numbers for such a young pitcher. And I'm very lucky that he pitches for my hometown team. Yeah, and it's it's obscene. It and it doesn't even matter. Like, like young pitcher, that's obscene for any pitcher. Yeah, it's yeah, it's so good. Um, oh god, I'm I'm so excited about it. Uh, if they continue to like hand him the ball for these extended relief outings, there's a solid chance that he work like he backdoors his way into more of these wins and then uh, like maybe even more saves and holds at least uh, in the last two weeks of the season and especially this week. Like if you're in a weekly league and you have time to put him into your lineup, if you have him on your roster already and took my advice by picking him up, he's, if he stays on like kind of like the current schedule that he's been on, he should see at least two appearances this week. So that means at least like hopefully another win, hopefully another, maybe even another save just totally depends. Um, he's been in my weekly lineup and I was able to take advantage of and get those two wins and that save, uh, over the past couple of weeks. And I think that he's going to remain in that same role for the rest of the season. So I, I mentioned earlier that Lane Thomas is leading my NL only team to glory. Uh, someone else who is on that team and honestly might be more of a difference maker because of those wins and saves Aaron Ashby. Uh, yep. And if, you know, if, if Ashby winds up uh, helping my team to a ship oh, that, that league is so tight. We're separated by one point with like two weeks to go. <laughs> And uh, like wins and saves are a big, uh, you know, we're fighting over points there. So yeah. Ashby, Ashby might be the difference. And if I, I, I might owe you dinner, if uh, if Ashby winds up being the difference maker there, you know, I will always take free food. <laughs> I, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll get you like some Omaha steaks or like a butcher box or something. <sighs> Why must you do this to me? This so, uh, just, <laughs> just, so. Uh, uh, Jumping from a player who uh, Jordan has planted his flag on to uh, someone that I have, uh, Drew Rasmussen. Oh, yeah. Uh, ac- actually, a Bofa. Yes, a Bofa. You remembered to say it, actually, too, unlike me. Yeah. Not even so, a real fan, apparently. It's a, it's a very recent Bofa, as uh, Rasmussen uh, was traded to the Rays this year in the Adonis trade, the the rare, seemingly uh, win-win trade. Yes, very much so. For both parties, it was very good. I think the the most interesting thing about Rasmussen that I, I've found when uh, looking at his stats and, and production, he's thrown 65 four-seamers right down the middle this year. And you would think that a, a fastball right down the middle is maybe the worst pitch you can throw. He's allowed a 194 Woba on those fastballs. That is the 10th best mark in baseball among players who have thrown at least 50 meatballs. And I think it's really indicative of what 
Rasmussen brings to the table, which is just incredible stuff. His stuff is good enough that even when he throws arguably the worst pitch in baseball, he still gets really good results on it. When looking at Rasmussen's results, like broken down by pitch and broken down by zone, it's like there's very few things that he can do that leads to bad results. Like if he mm-hmm. throws his you, you, four seamers down, not a thing you want to do, right? When no. he throws his four seamer down, good results. When he throws his four seamer up, good results. When he throws his four seamer right down the middle, good results. It's like the only bad spot is like middle middle in, like he gets beat up a bit. Yeah. And you know, we're we're mostly talking small samples here, but it's it's what we have to go on with Rasmussen. And then he's he's mostly a two pitch pitcher at this point. He throws, I, I think it's like 90% sinkers, uh, sorry, four seamers and sliders with that broken down, like it's like 60 or 65% fastballs and like 30% sliders. Yes. Looking at his slider, his other main pitch, if he throws it anywhere but middle down, really good results. <laughs> it's It's ridiculous. Like he hangs sliders and still gets good results unless he throws it like, you know, middle down. And he's been really, really good this year at locating it like a back foot or down and away to, uh, to, you know, same hand hitters. So first base side. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not everyone seems to be as high on Rasmussen as I am, but even though his next start is against, Oh, I I believe it was it Toronto. I'm I'm forgetting who his next start is. That against, would make sense. I'm is is Milwaukee facing Toronto. Toronto? Yeah, I think it's Toronto and then Miami or something like that. Like it was a good start and then a bad. It, it was a good opponent and then a bad opponent. But um, yeah, I'm I'm letting it fly. I'm I'm letting I'm I'm starting Rasmussen against everyone at this point because it does like the stuff appears to be almost overwhelming, and the league hasn't caught up to it yet. Yeah, he appears to be. Yeah, so he's lined up to start on Tuesday after Boz does. All right, so we've got a two-start week, in yep. theory. Well, we'll see. I guess. Yeah, T- Tampa going to Tampa, so maybe T- not. Tampa's going to. T- it's probably no. It's probably not. No, it wouldn't line up to be a two-start week because you got McClanahan that you have to work oh in there too, and then um, if ends has a, a follower start that he has. So I'm saying like, oh yeah, Milwaukee against Toronto. That's weird, but he's on t- uh, Tampa Bay now because I'm I'm a silly head. Oh, yeah, no, that's all right. Um, no, yeah, Rasmussen's looked great since he went to the Rays, and as a starter, especially, he's been fantastic. So def- I would also definitely be happy, regardless of what the offense is, running him out there for the rest of the season. I mean, at this point, if you have to take long shots, even against that Toronto offense, Ras- you can do much worse than trying to throw Rasmussen out there. Yeah, I mean, so. so the the league where I have Rasmussen, I'm ahead by so much it almost doesn't matter who I start. So mm-hmm. I I can be a little like frivolous. Yes, but so you know that if you're in a weekly league, maybe running Rasmussen out there might not be the best idea because that Toronto start is a potential blow up start. Just because True. every start against Toronto is a potential blow up start, no matter who you are, but. Uh, I, yeah, I, I love what Rasmussen has done. And even if, uh, you know, if you're in a daily league, that late, that later start, if he does get it against, uh, Miami, was, was it Miami? I don't know, uh, 
I'm not sure. It would not. Well, I don't know if it's a three or four game series against Miami. If it's a four game series, he would get one. Otherwise, uh, probably not. Yeah, but it, whatever whatever that second start is, whether it's against uh, oh at Houston, could be iffier. So there's potential for a rough week there. But yeah, I'm pro- I'm running him out there regardless. But again, that's because I have a big lead. Uh, if you are if it is a closer league and you're not banking on high upside, maybe not. And he's not getting the most strikeouts. So yeah, if you he's not a big strikeout guy, right? He seems to be more weak contact oriented at this point in time but uh yeah i I think that's partially a usage thing because he just doesn't really like he i I mentioned his pitch usage before where it's you know 60 percent fastball 30 percent slider he just doesn't vary from that from start to start month to month that's just what he's very consistent it's always been like that with him too even with the brewers so definitely interesting yeah yeah, love it. Okay, um, let's see. Who else do we have here? I think we have a couple more. Let's. Uh, let me talk about. Oh, I mentioned this poor uh, Chris Bubich. So this is gonna be a pretty quick one. He's kind of a Toby, honestly. Like he's not gonna get you a ton of strikeouts or anything like that. Uh, but he does have a two point six five ERA over his last three starts. He's gone at least five in each of them. So if you need wins, he might not be a bad bet. And he's in line for a potential two start week. It's not completely locked in. Uh, but if it was, he would get one start against uh the future Guardians of Cleveland and one against the Tigers. Um, He has been pretty much like pretty effective against some less than stellar offenses as of late. Uh, And while the guardians are technically ranked ninth in Exwoba versus lefties in the last month, the Tigers are 23rd. So I would honestly probably feel okay. Like if you're in a weekly league where you want to run him out there, I would feel okay taking the risk and running him out there against the Guardians just so you can get that start against the Tigers at the end of the week. Uh, like I said, five plus innings pitched in each of his last three outings, and it could be an easy way for you to grab a couple wins here at the end of the year. Love it. Yeah, super short, super sweet. I mean, there's really not a lot to like him. Again, like the ratios are going to be fine. Not a ton of strikeouts. Uh but like the whip shouldn't get hurt too bad by it. Hopefully the ERA won't either. Obviously the guardians game is questionable for sure. They are. I mean, they're not like at the very tippy top of the league. They're almost in the second third, like middle third of the league within that ninth spot. But overall not, not a bad uh, two star week to run them out there for. Yeah. Love it. And if you are sorry, sorry to speed through this. I'm just seeing now that we are, God, we are at 65 minutes already. So well, I, if um, I want to spend 10 minutes doing squirrel material, we would be at 55 minutes, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Uh, so moving on to another strong stream, uh, not of the two-star variety. This is just one start in the middle of the week. We've got Joe Ryan, and this is maybe my favorite start of the week, uh, favorite stream of the week, sub 20%. Hmm. From what we know at the moment, Joe Ryan will be facing off against the Cubs on Wednesday. And I don't really expect Ryan's obscene ratios to keep up, but I do think we have really strong potential here for a quality start, a win, a K per inning. I can see a couple of dingers being allowed because he does pitch up in the zone and he's facing you know, the, the modern-day Bash brothers of uh, Patrick Wisdom and Frank Schwindel. <laughs> but... I do, I, I do, I love what Ryan brings to the table right now. He's got a really, really interesting fastball. 
it's low velocity. Yes. Well, quote low velocity. It's like uh, low nineties, ninety two. It's got so much run and rise. It's just a and he throws it from a three quarter slot that just gives it a really interesting profile. And we were we were looking at a pitcher list article that was written by Ben Palmer. He did a GIF breakdown of Joe Ryan's debut, which just so happened to be against the Cubs. And we were just watching this fastball like. It, rise up into hitters uh kitchens it was a really it's a really interesting pitch and i i think that uh i just so the last time he faced the cubs he gave up i believe it was two or three runs in five innings and that's by far the worst by far the worst start he's had so far you know Mm -hmm. of of his three career starts but he's got like I, i think he's allowed like seven hits in in 12 innings so far something like that no yeah i'm i'm ballparking numbers i should just pull it up but yeah i'm i he's occasionally without a really strong change up and slider as well to pair with that really interesting fastball and uh yeah i'm just really enamored with what he can do especially if he's controlling that fastball and hitting the uh the corners up in the zone which he has shown the ability to do so far in his 17 major league innings he's got a uh 3.3 3.3 walk percentage which is you know good yeah two walks over 17 innings that's it that, that'll play that is very, yeah, he's, very he's good. given up and like you said he actually did only give up seven hits in his 17 innings so far i had the hits right but the innings wrong so it was even better yeah. than i thought so yeah i mean the 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 career bad bip so far is 119 that's not going to hold but i still do expect him to pitch well against the cubs you were talking about that interesting like movement profile on his fastball. And like you said, it really gets into the kitchen of right-handed hitters. It's going to give right-handed hitters a lot of fits and it's going to saw off a lot of bats. Cause you, yes. do, I mean, you, you don't see it. Yeah. It, it feels like, I mean, I don't even know if it's necessarily the run or sorry. Yeah. Yeah. The, the run on it. Mm-hmm. That's really giving people like that big of an issue. I think it's the ride, like the rise on it. That's really making that as good as it is it's because of the angle that he throws it from yeah the run almost acts as rise it's really interesting no it's it's a really cool moving profile that i don't think we see a lot of in today's game like i think that's why that's why he's so effective even though he's only throwing like 91 92 93 usually right it's a four seamer with run exactly which is odd really cool um no, I've liked I've liked what I've seen of his fastball for sure. The slider is okay, I would say. It's not great. Um room for improvement, but that fastball is really intriguing. So if you have that good base to build off of, hopefully he can have some success. And yeah, I think that is a really good stream, honestly. Like the Cubs strike out against the entire world constantly. So the probability of him getting a K per inning in that start isn't too bad, like you said. So right. I can definitely so, dig it. And you know, of course, take the season stats with a grain of salt because he's gotten to face the, uh, you know, the the shambles Cubs lineup and then Cleveland twice. So his, yes. you know, yes, hasn't been the best competition, but he gets to face those Cubs again. Perfect. All right. Uh, let's see here. My last one that I'm going to talk about that I kind of teased earlier is Dietrich Enns uh, from the Rays. A lot of you probably asking, uh, who? And uh, I kind of like had to me. say the same thing, uh, but. Enns in his last two appearances has been tasked as acting as like a follower similar to um, 
Ryan Yarborough. Uh, the race have deployed the strategy to mix success uh, a lot over the past few seasons. And Enns has looked pretty good so far. He's, he's gotten two straight wins. And because he's in that follower role, he doesn't have to meet that threshold of pitching five innings to get a win. It's just he's the next one in line. He's going to be able to get it if he pitches well enough and he has a lead when he leaves the game. So uh, I think it was over eight innings between the two outings. I think he pitched exactly four in both. He's had nine strikeouts and one walk and leaving him with a 1.13 ERA and a 0.5 whip between those two outings. So pretty good. Um, he's not going to mess up your ratios. He throws a ton of strikes, tons and tons of first pitch strikes too. Uh, he's not going to miss a ton of bats necessarily, even though his current K to, uh, innings pitch ratio is about nine per nine innings. Um, but, oh God, I just lost my spot. Dang it. Oh no, we were doing so good. You, you were, I think you were close to the ends. Oh no. I have to leave that in now. You know I have to leave that in now. That was too good of a pun. Okay, uh, but I think that he's entirely off the radar for most people. And if you want someone who's I think is pretty low risk because the inning total isn't going to be very, very high and who has decent ratios, ends might be your guy. And I picked him up in my TGFBI league, and I'm streaming him for the last couple of weeks of the year. So ride or die, I'll be right there with you. Oh, it's it's a very it's a very raised thing and a very unexpected thing to use the ends at the beginning. Uh, one more week. <laughs> one, more, one more week of the season. One more week. That's it. Then I only have to deal with this every other week or whenever we decide to do it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Talk about now, closers. Finish it. Finish the oh, episode. That, oh, that wasn't the ends. Okay, all right. So we've got, uh, like as usual, late in the season, we've got a handful of closers who are not rostered in many leagues, pitch for generally bad teams, and we kind of have to piece together. You know, it, no, I've got what six names here. You're not picking up all six of them, so we have to figure out which of the ones are which of these low rostered uh, closers are most appealing. So I, we've got six guys here. Michael Fulmer, Michael Givens, Andrew Chafin, Joe Barlow, Chris Stratton, and Carlos Estevez. Now, all of these guys have at least a handful of saves in the last 15 days. And all of these guys are on iffy teams, with the exception being uh, Andrew Chafin, who, you know, the A's are actually pretty good. They're just, their bullpen yeah. is just kind of a mess. So I think if I had to order these guys... In in uh in the order that I would pick them up, it would be Michael Fulmer, because the Detroit Tigers are actually surprisingly good at this moment. Like their second half run has been very very impressive, so there he shouldn't be you know lacking for opportunities. And uh, Greg Soto is currently on the IL. I'm I'm like ninety percent sure. Uh, yes. Wait, and actually. Please, please make sure Let's that I'm not that. making things um, up. I'm pretty sure. But um, at, so it would be Fulmer one, Michael Gibbons two, Chafin three. Chafin has looked shaky in the closer role. I like him, but like he's been a bit shaky. Uh, Joe Barlow four, and if he was on a better team than Texas, he'd be higher because I I like what he's done so far. Yes, he, he's like 
he's in his first major league experience, he's been locked down in the closer role, which is really impressive because we, we, we care when a closer just seems to have it. And uh, it's, it's rare for someone so young to seemingly have it. So uh, after Barlow, number five would be Stratton. Number five would, uh, number six would be Estevez. And I think Estevez and Stratton are pretty interchangeable. Uh, They're, they're both, (laughs) they could both actually annihilate your ratios on any given day. Uh, Stratton's Stratton's been pretty good uh, in the closer role since uh, Bednar went down and Stratton even picked up a few saves while Bednar was still healthy. So, but again, Pittsburgh, you know, these teams at the bottom here are Texas, Pittsburgh and Colorado who might not win 10 games combined in the rest of the year. So yeah, uh, like I said, if, if all of these guys are available or some of them are available, my order would be Fulmer, Givens, Chafin, Barlow, Stratton, and then Estevez. Perfect. Love it. All right. Uh, with that, I think we're going to wrap up this week's episode of In the Deep. Thank you all for joining us once again. We appreciate it. Thank you for tolerating me talking about squirrels for like, I don't know, 45 minutes. Yeah. Talking about squirrels for that long might be a new peak for chaotic energy for this podcast. I mean, it was a weird week last week, man. Let me tell you. I had a lot of time on my hands. Couldn't lots help of, it. Lots of chaotic energy pent up. Oh, yeah. We had to get it out. Had to work it all out. Uh, but yeah, if you would like to keep up to date on when we're going to be releasing new episodes and we're doing the stream and things like that, be sure to follow us on Twitter. That's at In the Deep PL. You can also follow myself and Schwebzy at uh, myself. You can follow at Bunt Singles and then Schwebzy at his namesake, Schwebzy. That's S H W E B S I. Also, be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you can get your podcasts. And with that, we bid you adieu. Shwebzi, send them out. Bye, friends. And that's the ends. Please send me hate mail.